going to start in Luke chapter 5. This is a Bible story that I have ever, haven't ever used as my main text before. I've probably mentioned it, but never preached on the, on the story before. This is where Jesus first meets the first four of his 12 apostles and where he calls them to follow him. So we're in Luke chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and two boats standing by the lake, and the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And when he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they, that's Simon and Andrew, had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners, that's James and John, in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. This is a real historical event. This is not a fable or a myth. Jesus really did this for real people. 2,000 years ago, on the Sea of Galilee, which is an enormous lake in the country of Israel, Jesus becoming a publicly known rabbi, teacher, travels around the country, and large crowds are beginning to come and hear him preach. And they see the miracles that he does, the people that he heals, and the demons that he drives out, and these miracles. And so this, on this particular day, he's on the beach of the lake of Gennesaret is the Greek name for the lake. The Sea of Galilee is what the Hebrews called it. Um, he's on the beach of the lake and a large crowd comes. If you've watched The Chosen, they did a good job, I think, with depicting the fishing miracle, but they did a terrible job with the crowd. There's like eight people that he's talking to or something in the movie. Anyway, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people pressing Jesus and trying to get closer and closer, and he gets driven back to the edge of the water, and then there isn't anywhere else to go. So there's these fishermen who've parked their boats for the morning. We can know this happens in the morning because fishermen 2,000 years ago fished at night for several reasons. Because it's really, really hot in Israel, and it's just cooler to fish in the dark. And you all know that when you're on the water in a boat all day long in the sun, you're going to get roasted. And it's not just sunburn, but it just super saps your strength. You get much more tired if you're in the sun all day. So the fishermen of that day would fish in the night because of the sun and because of temperature, but also because they didn't fish with rod and reels. They fished with nets, and it was all handwork, and they're in their boat, and they're throwing the net out and then drawing it in and trying to catch the fish in it. And it was heavy labor, so it was just a little bit cooler and easier to do it at night. But also at night, the fish couldn't see the boat in the net as well as they could in the day. So fishermen always worked the graveyard shift. And so they would fish all night in the dark and sleep during the day. Those of you who've worked graveyard or overnight night shift work before, you, you know um, it's, it's hard life to work at night and sleep in the day. But uh, this is what would have been happening. We know this happens in the morning because the fishermen had come in and they're washing their nets. So they fished all night and then they park on the beach and they would pick out all the weeds and and crud out of their net that had gotten their mud and, and whatever else that they've got in their net. They've got to wash them clean and then lay them out, spread them out on the beach in the sun so that they don't rot to having be wet all the time. And they're working and Jesus has this crowd of people. We're not told why or how Jesus ends up at this particular rural location, but here he is. He's 
preaching to this crowd, and here's Simon with a boat. Well, this is not the first time Jesus and Simon have met. This is the apostle Peter, but Jesus hasn't changed his name to Peter yet. He's Simon. So here's Simon over here, and Jesus and Simon have met a few days earlier. On Saturday morning, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. It says in Luke chapter 4 that after Jesus taught in the synagogue, he went home to Simon's house for lunch. So they had church on Saturday morning. The visiting preacher preaches, and somebody's got to invite him to lunch. And so Simon says, hey, you want to come to my house? So Jesus goes to Simon's house, and when they get there, Simon's mother-in-law is in bed sick with a fever. And Jesus goes and rebukes the fever, and instantly she is healed and made well. She jumps up, and like every grandma in the history of the world, starts cooking. There's a bunch of people here. We have company. We have to have food. So that happened a few days earlier than this. We're not told exactly how many. But Jesus and Simon have crossed paths at least once, but they haven't interacted very much. But there's this man he knows, so Jesus says, hey, can I borrow your boat? And the crowd is pressing me, and I need to just back off. Simon says, sure. So takes him out in the boat. And then Simon would have had to been in the boat with the oars, keeping it where it was off the shore, but not drifting, 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 and the waves and whatever else. So, so, so Peter has to sit there, steering and holding the boat while Jesus preaches. Now, Jesus would preach for hours, way longer than I preach, just so you know. I mean, Jesus and Paul preached a long time, sometimes. An hour could have been four hours. I don't know. But Simon is at the end of his graveyard shift. Get this now. He's, this is his end of his shift. He's tired. He's been up all night. And Jesus asks to use his boat. I don't know what his attitude was. Uh, maybe it was grumble, grumble. Or maybe it was, oh, yes, I'm so thankful for what he did for my wife's mother a few days ago. Yes, I owe this man something. I will serve him. I will help him. So he's holding the boat out on the water where the acoustics would have been great. Jesus is a genius. Uh, when, you know how sound travels over water. Every, a crowd of thousands of people could have heard him speaking from out there on the boat in the lake. And Jesus gets done, tells the crowd to leave, and then Simon takes him to the shore, and then he turns around and he says, go back out in the deep water and throw out your net. And Peter says, uh, well, we fished all night and we haven't caught a thing. Something funky going on with the barometric pressure. Something funky with the face of the moon. I don't know what, but the fish are not here like they usually are. There's no fish today. But the one time we met before, you did something. So I, I respect you. I honor you. I will do what you say. Even though you're a carpenter and a preacher and don't know nothing about fishing, and that's not the way we do it. And we don't fish in the daytime because they can see us. Uh, okay, whatever you say. And he goes out, he and his brother, Andrew, go out in their boat and, and they throw the net out and they catch so many fish that they have to call their partners, James and John, to come out with a second boat to load the fish into and they get them to shore. Some things that I want to draw out of this story before we move on in the story. The first thing I want to point out is that Jesus asks Simon to use his boat. Jesus doesn't demand anything. He asks. 
we would like it if Jesus would just take over and possess our souls and make us do what's right. But Jesus asks. And then it's up to us whether we actually want to do it or not. Jesus tells us what's right and wrong. It's not that, he, that his word is an opinion. It's not an opinion. It's absolute truth. But we get to choose whether we're going to do it or not. And he asks Simon, may I use your boat? He doesn't force Simon to, to make him use it. And at this moment, it is a very inconvenient sacrifice for Peter to have to serve Jesus in this way. I have been up all night. I've worked really hard. The Bible scholar people who study such things tell us Peter was probably the oldest of the 12 apostles. He was probably in his mid-40s. So he's been working a 8 or 10 or 12-hour shift and really heavy physical work throwing the net out and pulling it in through the water. You can imagine it's, it's, it's hard work. And so he's not um, the 17-year-old that John is um, who can do that um, six nights a week and, and, and not be tired and sore. And Peter probably just wants to go home and have a meal and go to bed because whatever this is, it's cutting into my sleep before I go to work tomorrow night. Hello? So I just want to point out that this is inconvenient for Peter. But for those of you who've walked with the Lord for more than a year or two, has God ever asked you if it was convenient? Has he ever said, is this a convenient time for you to give away $1,000? Is this a convenient time for you to volunteer to serve in the preschool class? Is this a convenient time to go take care of your elderly parents? Is this a convenient time for you to forgive this person? And he doesn't ever ask, is it convenient? But he does ask. He just tells you what he needs or what he needs you to do, and then you get to choose whether you do it or not. But at least on the outside, Peter is patient. Like, sure, okay, yeah, we can use my boat. I don't know if he was inwardly grumbling or if at first he was willing, and then as the sermon droned on, he was regretting his decision. I don't know. Um, At least on the outside, he's patient. And here's what I want to point out. This is Peter's business. His boat is his, it's his business. Just like Peter is offering his property, his business, to serve Jesus. And it is a sacrifice. Sacrifice comes first. Peter is tithing, let's put it that way. He's giving the first fruits in a way that Jesus has asked him to give. It's inconvenient. It's the wrong time of day. I need to go home. I need to take a bath. I need to have a meal and I need to go to sleep. But he's generous when he didn't have to be. He's generous when he's tired. He sacrifices himself because Jesus asked. And he just waits on Jesus, holds the boat in place while Jesus preaches. Jesus is done. All right, good. Get to go home, go have a hot meal and go to sleep. But no, the carpenter who knows nothing about fishing says, I want you to go back out into the deep water. That's a far row. Hello, that isn't 20 yards out there. I want you to go out in the deep water, so go back to work and throw your nets out. Peter could have thought, what do you know about this? My family has been fishing this lake for 87 generations, and you're our carpenter and a Bible preacher, and what do you know? I've been working all night, and there is nothing here. We proved that. We fished all those hours. There's nothing there. But he's humble and obedient. And, listen to me, he listened to Jesus when it didn't make any sense. 
He obeyed Jesus when it didn't make any sense. He listened to Jesus. He's humble, he's teachable, he's leadable, and, and it wasn't the right way. It didn't just didn't make sense. It was not the way to do it. But at your word. Come on. But at your word, Jesus. Because it's you saying to do it. I'll do it. And then Jesus paid him back for his generosity. I said Jesus paid him back. My cup overflows. <laughs> Come on. Jesus paid him back for his generosity. This is... These fish are money. Right? This is how he makes a living. This is his business. And because he sacrificed up front when it was inconvenient, when it cost him something and he had no expectation of any return, Jesus paid him back. When he obeyed what Jesus said to do, these fish are money. Don't spiritualize it. There is a spiritual picture here. But for Peter's life at this point in time, this is money. This is new hey dudes for the kids and a new dress for the wife. And uh, we're going to make those repairs on the house that we haven't been able to afford yet. And then I'm going down to Cabela's for some new rods and reels. And then I'm going over to Yamaha for the outboard motor. Enough of this rowing, man. We, we have just struck the lottery. We're rich. And it happened because he was willing to make a sacrifice. How many people have missed what Jesus would have done for you because it was inconvenient. And I just, I'm tired, so I'm not going to give today. Or I'm tired, I'm not going to serve today. Or I'm just going to step back for a while because it's not convenient. And how many of us have missed what Jesus ultimately would have given us if we had obeyed sacrificially? I also want to point out that Peter has fished all night and caught nothing. And he could have come up with a theology of poverty if he wanted to. Well, I guess God just wants me poor. I guess I'm like my grandpa and his grandpa and his grandpa. I'm just going to work my butt off for nothing. It's just the way our family's been for all these years. We work really hard and we don't get anything for it. Awful quiet now. I know some people who think that way. Some of you are in this room. If God wants you poor, then why are you getting up every day and going to job? Quit trying to get more money and just be poor. I'm totally serious. You're fighting God. If it's God's heavenly will for you to be poor or to not have enough or to always be scrimping by to fish all night and nothing to show for it, quit going to work. Embrace poverty and have nothing. It's the same thing of people who make a theology out of sickness. Well, I guess it's just God's will that I'm sick. Well, then what are you going to the doctor for? Why are you taking ibuprofen? If it's God's will for you to be sick, never take medicine again in your life. You're fighting God. And I'm telling you, you're not fighting God because it is God's will for you to be healthy. And it is God's will for you to have not just enough, but more than enough of what, for what you need to pay your own bills and enough to give away besides. Come on. If God wants us poor, then you need to quit your job. But you know the Bible says your job is a command and a gift from God, so God wants you to have money. 
Proverbs 10.4 says, The hand of the hard worker will grow rich, but the lazy person will grow poor. Does God want you to be a hard worker or lazy? Come on, answer the question. Hard worker. So does God want you rich or poor? Rich. Yes, it comes through hard work. We live in a world that doesn't want hard work. We just want to win the lottery. But Peter fished all night and got nothing to show for it. That's part of the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy, God says you will work really hard and have nothing to show for it because you disobey me. But if you obey me, I will bless your crops and I will bless your animals and I will bless your house and I will bless your kids if you obey me. I knew I was going to get in big trouble this morning. God doesn't want us spoiled. So he isn't going to make us billionaires. But he doesn't want us scrimping by, fishing all night with nothing to show for it. If you don't like me using the word rich in church, just be careful about hypocrisy because every single person in this room is rich. We are the richest people on the planet. The average monthly income for the world is $1,480 a month. That's the average. But that average is skewed by all the gazillionaires. So in actuality, half of the people on the planet, over 3 billion people live on $2 a day. So the poorest person in this room who lives on SSI and EBT and Medicaid or Oregon Health Plan or whatever you live on, you're rich compared to the rest of the world. So be very careful that you have a theology of poverty. We just sang, and Jesus taught us to pray, as it is in heaven, so on earth. There is not lack or poverty or debt in heaven, and there isn't sickness in heaven. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, which is, 2 Corinthians 9 is the chapter in the New Testament about money, about giving, actually. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will have abundance for every good work. How many things will you have? How much of the time? How much of your needs will be met? And all of your needs will be met and you will have abundance for every good work. All of your needs will be met. So why aren't all your needs met? Maybe because it isn't a need. Come on. Come on. Maybe because it isn't a need. We spend a lot of money on ourselves and things we don't need. God says, I will provide your needs and you will have abundance extra to give away besides. I don't have any extra to give away besides. Might be because you're spending more than you need. You spent the stuff you were supposed to give away. Credit card debt is us just needing more than we need. Hello. We're supposed to have everything we need and then all the rest is for us to give away and bless somebody else who has less. I know I'm not supposed to use the word rich in church, but it's a Bible word. It's all through the Bible. There's lots of verses on how, how to work hard and prosper and that God wouldn't tell us how to do it if it wasn't his will. Same way if it was his will for you to be sick he wouldn't have given you an immune system and natural things all over the planet to heal our bodies and regulate our blood pressure and our heart rate and, and to heal us. He's a healer. He's not a sicker. 
Eat isn't out to spoil. I'm not talking about you getting filthy rich and spoiled. God isn't that kind of a father. I heard just this year a story of a millionaire father who passed away and they opened his will and uh, it said where all of his money and property was supposed to go. And in, in his own handwriting, it said to his, his adult son, he said, to my son, I leave one dollar. He said, I leave him the pleasure of earning a living because so far he thinks everything comes from me. That's a really wise dad. To my son, I leave the pleasure of earning a living. But in our earning a living, we're not on our own. God wants to bless us. Peter worked all night, and then he sacrificed for Jesus, and then he obeyed Jesus when it didn't make any sense, and Jesus dumped blessing on him. Jesus dumped blessing on him. Abundance. His cup overflowed. It really did. He cares about our, your business, your income, your bills, your needs, whatever. So, number one, give sacrificially to whatever Jesus asks you to give to. Wherever he asks you to serve, obey him. And then, in your income, your business, your sphere, listen to what he says, even if it makes no sense. Advertise here, buy that, invest this, sell that, don't do this. Looks like a really good opportunity, God, but the Spirit is saying, no, don't go there. Don't do that. Listen to what he says about your retirement account and your investments or starting a business or, or whatever he says, Jesus, Jesus knows where you're going to catch the fish. But you have to obey him completely if you want his blessing. And then the story continues. Most people, I think, would, would be so thankful to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing me. Thank you for all this fish. I got to get them to the market now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. And then go off and tell everybody how much God has blessed him. I struck it rich. I won the lottery. God is so good. And then go out and buy tickets to Disneyland. Is that what Peter did? No, it is not. Continuing the story, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I don't even know what to tell you about this. Jesus dumps probably the equivalent of tens of thousands of dollars on Peter's business, this poor peasant fisherman. I mean, in their day, this is winning the lottery. And Peter's response is not excitement and woohoo and jump around and tell everybody how great God is. He falls on his knees and says, you need to leave me. I am an unworthy man. I'm a sinner. I don't even know what to tell you about that. I don't know if I know anybody that would have that response. Jesus, I'm not worthy of this blessing. This shames me. The story doesn't even stop there. The last verse in the story. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. They left everything, all four of them. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Left James and John's dad, Zebedee, and Mark, the Gospel of Mark tells us there was employees. It says hired servants. This is a big fishing operation for its day. They just left them. And the fish... And the boats, Peter and his brother and James and John walked away from it all because 
Jesus was leaving. Jesus turns around and walks off, says, come and follow me. Like, whoa, wait a minute. There's, there's lots of money sitting here. Uh, uh, okay, it's not a contest. I have to be with this man. There is no contest in my heart. There is no competition that money can hold with walking with Jesus. I know a few people like that. Not a whole lot, but some. Folks, there cannot be any car or house or job or bank account that God has blessed us with that we wouldn't instantly give away or walk away from when Jesus says give it. When that becomes your attitude, no matter how much you've invested, no matter how sentimental it is, no matter how long you've been there, Jesus is going this way and he wants me to follow him, I will instantly drop it all and there's no competition, money has no competition with Jesus. If that becomes your mindset, when that's your heart, you're, then you're truly a disciple of Jesus. And that's the kind of men Jesus can dump the fish on because he knows it won't buy their heart. It won't own their heart. It won't possess them. So they just leave the fish with James and John's dad. I actually, it occurs to me that this is Jesus providing for Zebedee because the Old Testament law said James and John must provide for their parents in their old age. This is Jesus saying, I'm taking your sons for my business, but I'm providing for you. Jesus is really just that good and practical. He's just that practical. He's going to provide for Zebedee. When he takes his sons, who are supposed to be his in the family business, Jesus is like, no, I need them, but I'll pay you for them. I'll take care of you. Would you just walk off? Some of you are like, yeah, sure, I'd leave what I got because it ain't much. <laughs> Others of you are like, I don't know. I don't know if I, want to, if I would leave my job. Or we'd say we would, but then when it came down to it, I don't know, would you? Others are like, well, if I had more, it'd be easier to give more away. Because not everybody's called to just leave your job. Uh, very few are, actually. You just command us to work a job and, and then give, your, give what you earn away. But don't deceive yourselves that if you had more money, you would give more. Jesus said you won't. He said if you're not faithful in little, you won't be faithful in much. There's a lot of people that think, well, I just don't earn enough, and once I get the bills paid, well, if I had extra, then I'd give to charity and I'd give to missions and, and all that. But if you had a million dollars, you'd give the same percentage you do now. Well, like, no, now I got bills to pay. If I had a million, I'd get the bills paid. Yeah, you'd have bigger bills. You'd go buy a bunch of bigger stuff, and you'd still have the same percentage of bills and the same generosity or lack thereof in your heart if you had a million dollars a month or if you live on a thousand a month. Jesus said so. Don't trick yourselves into thinking you'd be more generous if you made more, or I'd be willing to give more and give up more if I had more. It starts right here where you're at today. At this dollar amount today, what are you doing with it? How free is it for Jesus? Give sacrificially when Jesus asks. Then when he tells you what to do, do it and he'll bless you. I promise you. Obey him. Every step in everything. In your family, your finances, your church ministry, whatever. Obey him. Obey him. And he will, he will dump the blessings on 
Don't ever let it own your heart. Be ready to give it all away at a moment's notice. And he'll just do it all again tomorrow. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that you show us here, Lord. We don't want to be those that are owned by our money, our house, our stuff, our job, to those who depend on our income as our source or Lord, we're so we just we've grown up in such comfort and luxury in America that we don't even know how much it owns us, how much it controls our decisions. Lord, forgive us. We trust you and we know that you're the you're the one who can make the fish swim right into the net any day you want. So here and now, Lord, we repent of greed and selfishness and being owned by our stuff instead of owning it. We say we will give when you ask. We will let you have our boat when you need it, whatever that means. And then when you tell us to go throw the net where it doesn't make any sense, when it doesn't make any sense, we will obey. We will trust that you know what's coming and you know what you're doing. You know our business and you're setting us up for prosperity. And then, Lord, we ask by your Holy Spirit, you do to us what you need to do so that it never owns us. So we're ready to walk away from it all at a moment's notice, to follow you because having you is infinitely more valuable than anything in this world. We want to follow you. We want to follow in the footsteps of Peter and Andrew and James and John because they made the wisest decision they ever made. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Bless you. Amen.